This episode is brought to you by Daniela Falecki's Teacher Wellbeing Cards. These 52 cards give you simple daily reminders to help better support your well-being. You can use them in staff meetings to build positive conversations or have them in your desk as little pieces of advice to help you get through the day. Find these cards and Daniela's other resources at teacher-wellbeing.com.au. This is the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast, a weekly show to help you prioritize your health, happiness and well-being so that you can thrive in the classroom and in life. I'm your host, Ellen Ronalds Keane. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome back to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast. Today's episode is all about digital boundaries and how they form a really vital part of my personal self-care practice and some suggestions that I think you could think about to incorporate some stronger digital boundaries in your life to improve your well-being. My digital boundaries are always evolving, um, and so I'm going to share a little update about where I'm at these days with with them. And um, you may have seen, if you follow me on social media and if you're on my newsletter list, I did write a blog post on this a couple of weeks ago, but there's actually been even another update to my digital boundaries since then. So I thought I'd come in and share that and uh, expand on it a little, and also because I know not everybody's following on social media, or you might already have really strong digital boundaries, so you maybe don't see the social media posts. Um, so you might have missed that blog post when I shared it there. So before I get to that, I have a couple of announcements. Um, firstly, thank you to everybody who has given me lovely feedback about the first webinar that I did a couple of weeks ago. So it was called Preventing Burnout, the Missing Link. And um, I have a new webinar coming up. So I'm continuing on the uh, burnout prevention theme because burnout is just such a big topic. Uh, so I thought I'd do a series and unpack a different aspect of burnout each month because it is, I mean, it is multifaceted and different aspects will apply to different people. But in the last webinar, I talked about, you know, the major symptoms of burnout, but in particular, the fact that if we're only talking about physical exhaustion, we're missing some really, really vital and important parts that we need to be, you know, symptoms that we need to be on the lookout for. So I, I explained some of the other symptoms and some of the ways we can combat them. And if you missed that webinar and you're really interested in that, stay tuned because I am working on um, a place to, you know, like a, I'm working on a resource library where you'll be able to log in and see all the webinars, you know, after the fact and a few other resources and freebies that I, that I want to, um, get out there into the world. So I'm just working on the tech for that at the moment. So stay tuned. But the next webinar is coming up on Tuesday, the 8th of May, uh, 2018, and it will be at 6 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. Uh, and it's about managing stress. So it's about the, the role that stress plays in burnout, but also just what stress is, because we use the word a lot, but do we actually really understand it? You know, I want to make sure that we're all coming from the same place there. I'm also going to talk about the difference between stress and burnout uh, and also about the nervous system and, and you know, why it happens, uh, why it matters and how we can actually, if we understand our nervous system, that can help us to manage stress, not only in the short term, but also the long term, which is about keeping burnout at bay, you know, 
over the long term. But of course, keeping in mind, there's no magic pill with burnout. It's, it's so it's such a big topic and it's you know multifaceted. I can't obviously promise uh, to solve everything for you in one webinar, but come along. Um, it's it's going to be a live stream, live video stream, and uh, it will be an a private link that will be emailed to you before the webinar so that you can join live or you can watch the replay later. Um, and it's, yeah, it's for anyone who wants to understand themselves more and what they can do to prevent burnout and reduce stress beyond, you know, sometimes people use platitudes like, well, just stop caring so much. And, and we're going to talk about that today in this episode about the fact that most of us as teachers really care about this, the students in our classes and the, the work that we do. Um, and so turning off that caring is, is not actually the solution. Uh, so if you want to, where can you do it? Where can you sign up for this webinar? It's the same link as before. I'm going to keep them the same every time. So if you go to selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash webinar, there will be a page where you can put in your email address and your name and uh, it will send you automatically, hopefully if the tech works, it will send you the information that you need and the link to the webinar and some information about it. Now, the link won't go out till a couple of days before the webinar, uh, but you have until basically 5.55 p.m. on Tuesday the 8th of May to sign up for it. But if you sign up today, then you will definitely get the link emailed to you in the lead up. And also, if you sign up for the last webinar, you don't have to sign up again. I will send you the information about the next one if you choose to watch that or not. Uh, so that's the webinar, which is exciting. The second exciting thing this week is that I have a new Patreon sub, uh, subscriber, a new patron, and that is Jane. Thank you, Jane. I so appreciate your support and truly every little bit helps um, going towards the production costs of the podcast because podcasts are free to listen to, but they're not free to make. Um, and so I really, really appreciate the support that I'm getting on Patreon for people um, who, who are just showing that they really appreciate this podcast and, and um, are getting value out of it and want, and want it to continue. So if that's you, if you want to be amazing like Jane and Kirsty, you can go to patreon.com forward slash self-care for teachers. And there are a couple of different options there of how much you might like to pledge per month to support the podcast. You can start at a, as little as a dollar a month, I think. And um, But I do just need to remind people, um, especially Aussies, it is actually in uh, American dollars on the website. So I've, um, I can't do anything about that. Unfortunately, that's just the way Patreon works. But I, what I've done is I've, if you checked it out a couple of months ago, I've actually reduced the amount so that that makes it a little bit fairer for the Aussies, because obviously American dollars are a little bit more. Uh, so that's Patreon. Thank you so much to the new patron, Jane. I really, really appreciate your support. Uh, the next piece of um, info I need to share with you is about leaving a rating and review for the podcast on iTunes. I've had quite a number of you, uh, just in the last couple of weeks, um, I've had a couple of you say, hey, I want to leave you a review, but I can't figure out how to do it <laughs> because Apple doesn't always make it easy. So I've actually recorded a little video on how to do that, how to leave a review on iTunes um, or the Apple podcast app. I will make sure that I post that out on the same day as the podcast uh, goes out. So check the Facebook page. What I'm going to do is I'll pin it to the top of the Facebook page, that little video. So um, go to facebook.com forward slash self-care for teachers and um, you can check out that video. And I'm, I've actually done a screen share. So I'll show you how to leave that rating and review in the 
um, Apple Podcast app on the phone and also on you know iTunes on the computer. Um, and once you're there, leave a GIF or an emoji or something in the comments um, once you've seen it so that I know that it worked um, and that it, you understand it um, and also so that other people can see it too. That's really important on Facebook and Instagram and, and social media platforms. If you like something, if you just hit like and keep scrolling, we're going to talk about this a bit more in a minute, um, that's cool. But if you actually leave a comment, um, whether that's actually words in the comment or, you know, an emoji or a GIF, that can help other people see it too. Um, but yeah, like I said, we're going to touch on that a little bit more later in the episode. Um, and also on the topic of social media, thanks so much to those of you who've been sending me your questions and comments and stories. It really does actually help me to tailor this podcast, um, to you and hopefully give you the support that you're looking for and, and answer the questions that you're wanting answered. So, um, thank you so much for those of you that have been commenting and, and asking questions and that sort of thing. It's really cool. All right. So let's talk about digital boundaries. One of the things that I often get comments from, from teachers is, you know, how can I switch off at the end of the day? How can I leave school at school? I go to bed at night and I can't stop thinking about it. Or I, you know, wake up first thing in the morning, I'm thinking about school because I, and, and the email notifications are pinging and I just know that there's things to do and I just can't relax because of it. I can't switch off. I get it. I really, really do. Um, and unfortunately, there is no simple answer. It's 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 not one size fits all, as I always say. Uh, and this is a complex problem. Not being able to switch off, it could be caused by a number of things. But one thing that you can start to do is to get really clear and really disciplined with yourself about your digital boundaries. So self-care is it's easy to think that self-care is just the light and fluffy and and fun stuff. It's the, you know, the massages and the getting the manicures and, and having a bath and it's all just fun. But actually that's not the way I look at self-care. I look at self-care as, as sometimes doing the things you don't want to do, but that you know that are good for you. You know, like when you're a kid and your mum makes you eat the, eat your vegetables, it's, it's good for you. So you have to do it, even if maybe you don't enjoy it that much. And, and I think that sometimes some of those really, um, things that require a bit of discipline from us, fall under that category of self-care and that, and that's what that's what I want to talk about today in terms of digital boundaries. I don't know about you, but this is something that I have kind of struggled with to set boundaries within the past. Do you ever feel like a slave to your email inbox? I know that teachers get and and principals get thousands of emails, you know, a week and it can be really hard to keep up with that. We can have this um desire to reach inbox zero where we we want to you know we, we look at each of those emails as a as an item on the to-do list and we want to check it off every single day and that that's actually just an unrealistic expectation um but also what about those little red notifications from social media what about those i i know that i also in the past have looked at those little red numbers as another kind of to-do list, another thing that I've got to do. And I love email and social media. And like, truly, I do think that they are wonderful methods of communication, but it's really easy to get sucked into our inboxes and not actually do any work or to spend so much time scrolling that it actually overtakes our life. And and those devices and, you know, where if you're paying any attention to the news, you're probably aware of some of the, the Facebook hoo-ha that's going on at the moment about... um the kind of 
you know, interesting lines that Facebook may or may not have crossed in the past couple of years with the way their uh, programs work to kind of suck people in and, and to be sticky. I think that's the term that app developers use to make people want to stay on the app. And that's not even to get into all the privacy stuff. But if you've been following me on social media for a while, you know that I've been working on having boundaries about how and when I show up on social media for well and truly over a year now. Um, but why did I start implementing social media boundaries to begin with? I actually started noticing that I was spending you know, way too much time mindlessly scrolling. And it was beginning to create a really strong sense of comparisonitis in me that was not pleasant. It was, um, I, I was noticing, I think it's probably, I liken it to when I was a teenager and I was reading magazines and, you know, you do all that comparing to the airbrushed models in the magazine. And it's like, that's not actually real life, but you're comparing yourself to some Photoshopped ideal. It was kind of starting to do the same thing to me with, um, with social media. Um, I was stopping to check social media on my phone, um, you know, all the time, especially once I started running self-care for teachers because I felt this obligation to, to be showing up for people and, and all the time. Um, and it was creeping into almost all aspects of my day and interrupting quality time with my husband and my family and friends and interrupting my sleep as well. Yes, some of it was useful, but most of it was mindless scrolling. Um, so I, I simply started by removing my phone from charging in the bedroom. So I, I've, I've removed my phone from the bedroom. Um, and that's so that I wouldn't be tempted to look at it last thing at night or first thing in the morning. And I, first thing in the morning was more of a problem for me than last thing at night. But also, if I wake up in the middle of the night now, you know, to go to the toilet or if I'm stressing about something just awake, you know, I don't look at the phone. Uh, we don't have a... a clock radio or whatever in our in our bedroom either so there's no digital thing that tells me what the time is you know I, I what I used to do is I'd wake up in the middle of the night just casually check my not to read it but just check the time and uh, I used my phone as an alarm clock which I think a lot of people do and so I'd just check the time and then of course as soon as you know that it's 2am you start thinking about how many hours of sleep. Oh my God, I'm now calculating. It's 2am and I have to get up at 5.30 and then that's blah, 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 blah. I don't have an, haven't had enough sleep and now I'm stressing about the fact that I'm awake in the middle of the night. It wasn't working for me. So I removed my phone from the bedroom. I no longer use my phone as an alarm clock. And I also, um, you know, started to sort of challenge myself about because particularly it was in the first thing in the morning that that my phone was a problem for me with social media um, and with checking of emails. So now I try and put that off as long as I can. I've started just challenging myself and it was hard at first, I have to admit, for me to put off checking social media or email until after, even after I'd had breakfast. Now these days, depending on the day, sometimes I go until 3pm, which Obviously, I realize with email, I have uh, a little bit more flexibility being someone that works for themselves now. But certainly with social media, we all have that flexibility. None of us need it for our jobs. Uh, it, it doesn't require us nothing. We're no, we're never required for any reason to be on Facebook at a certain time. So, or Instagram or LinkedIn or Twitter or whatever social media, Snapchat, whichever one you're using, putting the phone out of the bedroom was extremely powerful for me. And then just putting off when I check my phone and my email until later in the, you know, later in the morning. 
I then began setting some time limits for myself when I logged into Facebook and Instagram, and, and I wasn't using Instagram very much, but we'll get to the Instagram in a sec. So it was particularly Facebook that was the the, the one that I was using the most, um, and I got much more intentional about how I use the platform. For example, I decided to actually start interacting with the people and businesses I follow instead of just mindlessly scrolling. So I might have still been spending time, you know, a similar amount of, not amount of time, but, you know, time on the app. But instead of just scrolling mindlessly, I actually started really consciously engaging. Um, and this really helped a lot because I um, I realized I was in this meaningless scrolling-like pattern. And I've actually seen this mentioned in multiple places around the interweb. So I thought I'd give it a try because the idea is that unless you can think of something to say in a comment, don't engage with the post at all. If you're just going to hit the like or the heart button and keep scrolling, don't even bother. And that really challenged me. The idea about it was about being more intentional with social media. Again, it's so easy to just be a lurker and just scroll and like, scroll and like, scroll and like, and you're not really doing anything of much value. If I'm being intentional about this social media, how can I actually use my words to be clear with what I'm getting out of it? The other thing that leaving a comment does is it actually benefits that page. If I got something out of this post and I leave a comment, it means more likely other people are going to see it. So like I said earlier on when I was doing the announcements, I'm really grateful for the people who have been leaving comments on on my um, self-care for teachers page, you know, the posts and the videos and things, because that actually really, really helps. Not only does it help me, especially if you're leaving questions and, and um, topic suggestions, that really helps me to keep producing the podcast and giving you stuff that hopefully is helpful to you, but it also really helps other people find the page and see the page. So that's just a little side note. and. Um, So I did that. I challenged myself to stop doing the like and scroll. Um, And then I also deleted the Facebook app from my phone. And this was huge because this was pretty much the only place I was using Facebook. I deleted it from my phone so that I would be forced to log in on the desktop only. And not only does that mean that when I'm leaving comments, it's easier because I'm not just trying to do it with two thumbs. I actually have all my fingers to type. It's also meant that I have got a lot a lot more intentional about the times that I log in because it's really easy to be sitting at the table with my husband, uh, you know, over dinner and just to pick up the phone and start scrolling on Facebook. But I wouldn't get up from the table and go and sit at the computer for for a minute. And it was hard at first, but not having the app on my phone meant that I was no longer getting the notifications popping up on my phone to tell me that somebody wrote something on Facebook. And then, of course, as soon as you get a notification you want to go and click it. I also deleted the, or, you know, got rid of the notifications for Facebook on my browsers, on on my desktop, so that I'm no longer being interrupted with whatever I'm doing with a notification to say, oh, hey, you got a, you got a thing on, on Facebook, or you got a, you got a thing in your email, because I did it for my email as well. So there's another idea for you. At the very least, think about turning off the notifications so that you're not being, you know, interrupted in the middle of life by, you know, this digital world that, hey, it will wait for you. The other, the next thing I did was I did a big clean out of all the Facebook groups that I'm in. And then in January of this year, I ended up archiving my self-care for teachers Facebook group. The Facebook group was actually how this whole self-care for teachers journey started for me. 
almost three years ago. So I felt like archiving it was a really big step. But when I started the Facebook group, I was teaching, uh, just sharing my own personal journey with self-care. I, you know, it was quite a different situation in my life than what it is now where I'm working from home and, and I'm working in the teacher wellbeing space and coaching teachers. So I decided to sort of archive that for now. Um, and it will pop up again from time to time when I have events on. I'm going to, you know, still use that self, self care for teachers Facebook group sometimes, but it's not going to be an all the time thing. I do use these platforms, right? I like them and I use them. It's just about having boundaries so that I'm also in my life. And I consume a lot of information about productivity and health and well-being, and I've been doing so for years because obviously this is a passion of mine. So I know the benefits of setting boundaries with the digital world. I knew that there were many and varied. So just being more proactive and more in control because I think, you know, I don't want to let the tail wag the dog. I'm in charge of my life, and that means I'm in charge of how I use social media. So that's where I got to in the post a couple of weeks ago, the blog post. But you know what's been really interesting is that until, like last year I was on Instagram, but I wasn't really using it very much. But I've really been um, enjoying it a lot more because I've been pulling back from Facebook, but also really enjoy uh, art and design. And so I, I actually quite enjoy Instagram as a platform for that because it's just a, it's just a visually beautiful feast for my eyes. And so I've been using Instagram a lot more and I'm finding because Instagram is an app that you can only use on your phone, it's really funny how things have started to creep back in again. Some of those, I suppose, bad habits that I had with Facebook, having it as an app on my phone, has started to creep back in again with Instagram. It's meant that I've had to kind of go back to the drawing board a bit with my boundaries because Instagram is only on the phone. And so what I'm going to do, I'm not, I'm not going to delete the app from my phone, but I'm, I've put it at the back of, uh, put it like not on the front page and like, you know, in a little folder behind things. So it's just a little bit more energy to go and get to it rather than it just being one click of the thumb to get there. So that's the barrier I'm putting in place at the moment, the little boundary for myself. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at being a lot more intentional about when and where I, I go on Instagram and um, setting myself time limits, actually putting on a timer so that I don't end up on Instagram, you know, for hours and hours on end, or it doesn't end up creeping back into my, uh, my, my real life. So that's my social media boundaries. But what about email? Good question. I'm glad you asked. Um, I, like I said, you know, I read a lot of productivity stuff and I've known for years that productivity experts recommended setting limits around email use. For example, you know, one of the often recommended things is to only check it at certain times of the day. So 8am and 4pm and in between, don't check it, do your work, get your kind of focus stuff done, have those notifications off so that you're not getting pings interrupting your thought process and whatever all the time. And another one is to set a timer when you work through your inbox so that you don't get stuck. You say, right, I've got 25 minutes now. I'll do it. Once that timer goes off, any emails I didn't get to, they can wait till the next time I check in. Um, or to look at your emails, write a physical list on paper of the ones you will respond to and in what order. And, you know, that way you kind of read them all and then you respond to them all in a big batch rather than one at a time. 
and that just helps streamline email use. Or if you get a lot of the same questions, you know, like if you if parents are always sending you the same questions about particular homework tasks or whatever, have a bit of a frequently asked question template that, you know, to send them in reply because it really saves you time. I mean, as teachers, we get emails from all angles, administration, colleagues, and these days, students and parents. Um, and it can be really hard to keep up. I, I know it is. And I know that so many of us feel the pressure to completely clear out our inbox every day. Um, and I also know that many of these emails are necessary and, and relatively urgent. So they do need responses. And yet we also can so easily get sucked into that vortex of sending multiple emails back and forth for days with the person in the office down the hall or on the block on the other side of the school instead of walking over to that person and having a conversation or picking up the phone and, and sorting it out in, you know, two minutes flat. Instead, we're doing back and forth emails for, you know, hours. And, you know, it's a fact of life in schools these days. I have been on the receiving end of more than one demanding email from a parent in an evening or over the weekend and then been met with a phone call the next morning at school asking why I didn't reply to the email that they sent very urgently at 9pm on Wednesday night. I mean, in my early years of teaching, I didn't even know that I was allowed to say in response, um, I don't check my email in the evenings or actually at 9pm at night, I'm already in bed. <laughs> That's my bedtime. So I'm not on the computer anymore. I, I, I kind of thought that I had to jump and ask how high whenever they whenever they told me to jump, even if it was completely unreasonable. And when I posted this information on the Facebook page a couple of weeks ago, I even had somebody comment and say, yeah, that's just happened to me. I had had an email on a Sunday night, you know, asking for information about an assignment that was due the next morning, you know, Monday morning. So then let's talk about my new email boundaries that I have just put in place this month. And these come from my friend and mentor, Naomi Arnold, uh, which I highly recommend you check out her site, naomiarnold.com. She has some wonderful information about um, health and well-being and, and following your passion in life. And she does talk a lot about business. She's a business coach, uh, but she also talks about human rights and social justice. And, and I really recommend that you follow her. And Naomi has an autoresponder on her email that, um, you know, reads something like this. It says, you know, hello, thanks for your email. Life is very full right now with work, study, business, and family commitments, and I'm trying to spend less time in my inbox and more time in my life. Therefore, I'm limiting the time I spend in my inbox to twice a week. I will get back to you, but please be patient. And I just found this such an enchanting idea. For a start, it's a really brilliant way to manage people's expectations. So, they're not expecting an immediate reply. And obviously, if something is actually urgent, then you need to not email about it because you're not going to get an immediate response. So it's a good way to just set up people's expectations. And for example, at school, you might have some kind of a, a note in your inbox. I know that it's easy to feel like, well, I couldn't possibly do that. But you might have something that says, you know, if you're looking for an immediate response, please call our staff room number so that, you know, you can, I can talk to you. If it's, if it's an urgent issue, let's talk about it rather than email because I'm, you know, I might not get back to you straight away. And I, the other thing I like about it is that this just gives the inbox owner, so in this case, Naomi, some breathing room in replying. I've been really deliberating this idea for 
about a month before I put it in place. Probably since I put in my out of office holiday responder when we went on holiday to New Zealand um, in early March, that was really what made me go, huh, this is actually pretty easy to set up. Can I really do this all the time? Am I allowed to? What will people think? Will they think I don't care about them? Will they think I'm a bad businesswoman and an uncaring coach? But then I saw this quote from one of my favorite authors, Brene Brown. And the quote says, daring to set boundaries is about having the courage to love ourselves, even when we risk disappointing others. And it was that quote that really hit home for me. And I realized it was time for me to put in place some email boundaries because boundaries are about self-love and self-care. And that's what I'm about. It's not about um, deliberately setting out to disappoint people, but it is about knowing that if it, if, if my boundaries disappoint other people, that's not, that's not the end of the world. It's not my responsibility to keep everybody else in the world happy with my immediate email responses. And also, you know, having strong boundaries and practicing self-care actually allows me to better serve other people in the long run. So it's good for others in the long run as well, even if it might disappoint them in the short term, especially when people are, you know, getting used to the, the change. Plus, as a recovering people pleaser and overachiever, this quote, you know, reminding myself that boundaries are about self-love and having the courage to practice self-love even when it might disappoint others, you know, it really helped me with that niggling voice that always, you know, as a recovering people pleaser, that niggling voice in my mind says, oh my goodness, if you don't do this right now, if you don't keep this person happy, if you don't reply to every single email within 24 hours, the world will end. Now, obviously that's not true. The world is not going to end. And if something is truly urgent, email is not the medium to use to contact me. But, you know, the other thing was that I also realized that every time I get Naomi's autoresponder, you know, because I do email her relatively regularly, every time I get it, I'm impressed. I don't think, oh my goodness, she is such a terrible person for having a life outside her email inbox. And I don't get all self-righteous about why I demand a reply within 24 hours because my time is so much more important than her time. In fact, every time I get that autoresponder, I've always been secretly jealous. So finally, a couple of weeks ago, I decided to follow Naomi's lead and I put an autoresponder on my email accounts. And I tell you what, it feels so good. Will it disappoint some people? Maybe. Will they get over it? Yep. Will they get used to me having new boundaries, you know, about not checking my email 24 times a day? Yeah. Other people will get used to it. I'm managing their expectations by telling them, you know, what's going to happen. And even if it's uncomfortable in the short term, they'll get used to it. And will it free me up to produce more content and more quality resources for teachers and take care of myself better so that I can show up for my clients more wholeheartedly? Definitely it will. And because it's a, it's a wonderful paradox and you know, it's a wonderful problem to have to be in the position where now that things are starting to, you know, get a little bit of momentum with self-care for teachers and the teacher wellbeing podcast, I'm in a little bit more demand. People are sending me more emails. I'm getting involved in, you know, more projects. That's a wonderful thing, but it does just mean that I need to implement some more boundaries. 
And is it worth it? Has it been worth it so far? Definitely it has. And you know what else it's done for me? You know, circling back around to what I was talking about in the beginning about being able to switch off at night, having set up those boundaries for myself with social media and with, uh, with my emails, it has helped me to switch off at night because I'm managing other people's expectations. And also, you know, I've set these terms, I suppose, on the email now so that I know people aren't expecting an immediate response from me. And that has just meant that I know I have some breathing room. And if it gets to be, you know, six o'clock at night, I can turn the computer off, you know, and if I don't want to log into social media over the weekend, I can, I can do that and the world won't end. And the other big thing that's helped me is that I'm no longer getting pings on my, you know, browser windows and on my phone, the notifications popping up, interrupting me in the middle of life, telling me that there's something on online in the digital world for me to attend to. I mean, out of sight, out of mind is is true. So having the phone out of my bedroom at night and, you know, even if I have my phone near me in the evening, it's not popping up with Facebook notifications all evening. That means that I can actually more focus my mind and be more disciplined about my thoughts and where my thoughts are taking me on what I'm doing in the moment, you know, be more mindful of actually spending time with my husband or spending time at dinner with friends or watching a nice documentary or something. I'm actually in the moment now more often. And that then means when it comes to going to bedtime, I'm able to actually switch off because I've had, you know, a little while. Sometimes it's only half an hour to an hour. Sometimes it's several hours where I've not had any you know, notifications interrupting my thoughts, reminding me that the digital world is demanding my attention. So if this is something that you have struggled with, I would highly recommend thinking about what kind of digital boundaries that you might like to implement in your life. I don't want you to think that I'm suggesting you implement every single one that I have implemented because your life is different to mine. Your needs are different to mine. And what works for you will be different to what works for me. And as I've shared with you, it you know, it's a constantly evolving thing for me as well. But I do want you to think about what changes you might like to make if, you know, email and, and social media notifications and, and the demands of keeping up with it all is a little bit overwhelming for you. You are allowed to set those limits. Yes, there will be times where you will need to be on the computer at night, you know, after dinner, doing schoolwork. Absolutely. But it doesn't have to be every single night and it definitely shouldn't be every single night, late into the night, to the point where you're kind of keeping up with stuff that's just not important. It might seem urgent, but it may not be important. So be discerning about that urgent versus important thing and set some boundaries that work for you. Remember, as Brene Brown says, daring to set these boundaries is about having the courage to love ourselves even when we risk disappointing others. You're allowed to disappoint people and you're allowed to keep them waiting, even if it's just for 12 hours until you actually get to work tomorrow morning to answer that email. So think about what boundaries might work for you. If you would like to share them with me, I would love to celebrate them with you. I do want you to reach out. Uh, Send me an email, ellen at selfcareforteachers.com.au. Of course, I won't be replying immediately, but I will reply. Leave a comment on, uh, you know, Facebook or uh, Instagram. And I'd love to continue the conversation there. And I hope that me sharing this has helped 
to model some of these boundaries for you in the same way that Naomi Arnold has modeled these boundaries for me. And I've been able to, to see how cool an email autoresponder can be and how powerful it can be. So I hope that you can find at least one tip to apply in your life this week. Because remember, you are a person first and a teacher second, and you're allowed to have a life outside of school and outside of the digital world. Have a great week. Take care, everyone. See you later. Thanks for listening to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast. If you've enjoyed it, go ahead and subscribe in your chosen podcast player so you don't miss an episode. I'd love it also if you would leave a rating and review in iTunes and share it with your friends. This really helps the podcast reach more people and together we can spread the message of teacher wellbeing to create thriving school communities. Show notes for this episode can be found at selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash podcast. You can also find me at facebook.com forward slash selfcareforteachers and on Instagram my handle is at selfcareforteachers. So come along and follow me there.